If you have your Bibles, turn back to Philippians chapter 3. Yesterday, or last Sunday, uh, we preached on point one of the series out of Philippians chapter 3 on the high cause, the high calling of being a Christian. You know, I don't believe uh, the world realizes that to be a Christian there is a price. And that price is that we must follow Jesus and we want to follow Jesus. And last week we preached on the purity of our soul and the purity of our steps. And uh, got hung up on Matthew chapter 5 last Sunday night and really enjoyed preaching out of the Beatitudes on uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I want to see God, amen. I want to see God in everything I do every day of this year, and uh, I believe it takes the pure heart, and that word pure means single, it means focused, it means not divided. Uh, a lot of people have schizophrenicism when it comes to Christianity. They live one way on Sunday, and they live the other way on Monday through Friday. That won't make it, amen. We must be pure in our focus and pure in our, in our uh, separation from the world. And the only way to be pure is the pure Word of God, amen. And so that was last Sunday morning, last Sunday night. But tonight, or today, I want to preach on the uh, perspective of the believer. The perspective of the believer. I want to ask you a question before we even read the Scriptures. We're in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. And we're going to finish this chapter tonight. Uh, let me ask you a question. What, what, what does it take for you to laugh? What do you laugh at? Uh, let me ask you another question. Um, what makes you upset? Let me ask you a little deeper question. What causes you to lose sleep? Your favorite team loses, you lose sleep. That's about as ridiculous as it comes, but it's happened to me. Um, what makes you cry or mourn? You mourn the loss of uh, Fifi running away, your little doggy. Or do you mourn souls dying and going to hell? And I believe you ought to mourn when Fifi runs away uh, because nobody else wants him. Amen? No. But uh, let me ask you a question. What makes you pout? You know, some people get, they get all upset and really pout instead of shout in their Christian life because of things of this world. And so Paul talks about self-righteousness and confidence in the flesh. We've already preached that in verses 1 through 6, and how that if anybody can earn salvation, it ought to have been him. Because uh, he was of the great stock of, of uh, Hebrews, and he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He killed Christians for being Christians. That's pretty dedicated. That's pretty zealous, if I might say. Uh, he was concerning zeal, persecuted the church, verse 8, touching the righteousness which is in the, in the law, blameless. He said, man, I tried to keep it. I tried to walk it, all this stuff. But he said, all this. Now, I want you to stand on the Word of God. Here's the new value. Here's the new perspective. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you get saved, God does a work on your value system. There's things you used to despise. You love them now. And there's things you used to love, and you don't even like them now. And that's the way the Christian life ought to be. It ought to change your life. Say amen. If it doesn't change your life, you might not be saved. Just a little dab of do you, Christianity 
won't get the job done. I believe it's a change of heart, but it's a change of, of perspective. What's your perspective on this world, sin, yourself, and God? Here it is. But what things were gained to me, those, here's a key word, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the ecstasy of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I like that, don't you? My Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count, value check now, them but dung, that I might win Christ. And be found in Him, not having, here's the greatest, here's the greatest verse in the, uh, in the chapter on salvation. And being found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, you can't get good enough to be saved, which is of the law, you're going to break it every time, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. One more verse. That I may know Him, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. I think we'll stop right there and preach on the right perspective for the high calling of the Christian. Let's pray. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank You that You've changed our lives when You saved us. And God, we're being changed by being conformed not to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind through the precious Word of God. And I thank You, dear God, that I'm excited this morning that I can let the Bible preach, let the Bible teach, and let the Bible convict and do its work. Lord, I thank You, God, that we're not just studying self-improvement around here. This is not a motivational speech by some power of positive thinking. But dear God, we're here to preach the Word of God that will change our lives. And God, thank You that You have changed our lives and even changed our outlook. So God, give us a perspective of the believer this morning. And we'll thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when a person becomes saved, his perspective in life changes. Amen? It just changes. I mean, Paul speaks of the perspective of the believer from the viewpoint of his own experience and how he valued things. And after his conversion, the things he despised became uh, esteemed and loved, and the things he used to esteem, they became despised. Counted as little value. That which he formerly thought was worthy, even to give his life and take lives, now after salvation becomes unworthy and without merit. And that which he formerly held as nothing of value has become the most valuable to him. This is the experience of the Christian life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God used Paul to pen these words. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become what? New. What makes you smile? What makes you mourn? What makes you upset? What causes you to lose sleep? That's your values. That's what really counts in your life. 
That what rules your life. That what overrules your emotions. It's what you think is so valuable and so precious that it upsets you to no end and causes you to go into deep depression if it doesn't happen your way. Paul said this. First of all, we need to devalue some things. Look at verse 7. He said, But all what things were gained to me. And he listed a whole lot of things that was gained to him of this world and of religion. Uh, Being a tribe of Benjamin, the purest tribe, the tribe that went all the way, circumcised the eighth day, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, and touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, I even persecuted the church and killed people for being Christians. But he said, listen, but now, but what these things were gained to me, those I counted lost, and here's the key word, for Christ. I want to say this right up front. When you become a Christian, for Christ dominates your life. It dictates to your life. It disciplines your life. But more important, it, Brother Howard, delights your life. You didn't have to be here this morning. You wanted to be here. And he's always early, thank the Lord. Or we wouldn't have any coffee in the glory class. Hallelujah, amen. What's important to you? What do you value and what do you devalue? What you put on the top shelf and the bottom shelf? What do you throw in the closet? But you, What do you think about? What do you, what's, what's the apple of your eye? What's a penny for your thoughts? What do you think about when you're in the shower? I think about getting out. Amen. I got a lot of things to do. I ain't got time to sit there and take all the hot water. But anyway, uh, but women are different. They'll stay in there for years. You know? But I want to say this. I want to say this. Thank God that we can wake up with a new value system after we get saved. I mean, we really start thinking about what we can do for God's glory and to praise His name and to bring the furtherance of the gospel and see souls saved. That's what you ought to be thinking about. Devalue. Well, first of all, I want you to see the completeness of the devaluation. All things. Folks, that's a wholesale change. When you get saved, there is a wholesale change. And Paul's perspective was, my life radically changed. And I want to say this, with all my heart and as as kind as I can, there's a lot of Christians that think they get saved and they have no fruit. You better check up and make sure you're saved. And you know, some people come to me and say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. And I look at them and say, if you don't know, I don't know either. But I really do know. And I'm not one that uh, has a gift of evangelism like one crazy guy did that we had a tent revival with and I had to take over and preach the rest of it because we ran him out of town. He said he had the gift of evangelism. He could look at somebody and tell if they were saved or lost. The Lord would speak to his heart and say, he's lost, he's saved, he's lost, he's saved. But folks, I want to tell you, the Bible says by their fruits you'll know them. And I believe that one of the greatest ways that when people come to me with serious doubts, I say, go back to the time you were saved and did your life change? Now listen, I was a son of a drunk, but I wasn't a drunkard. And at 11 years old, I didn't do much wrong because my mother was strict. She had a hickory switch in one hand and a smile in the other, amen? But I mean, no, and the good book in the other. And we went to church every time the door was open. I was on drugs the time I was two years old. I was drugged to Sunday school, drugged to church, drugged to RAs, drugged... I mean, if we'd had GA, she'd make me go to that. 
And I thank God for it. I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I got a standard and a conviction about the house of God that my, my mother implanted in me before I even got the new nature and being saved. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you get saved and you don't want to serve God and you don't want to go to church and you don't love God and you don't love the things of God, you better check up and make sure God's giving you a new heart. Amen. It's called repentance. Now, I'm telling you this. A lot of people don't have much to change. I didn't have much to change because I had mama sanctification before I got saved. But a lot of you, you had a lot to change. And a lot did change. And there were some battles and there was some growth. And it wasn't instant arrival. You had to grow in the Spirit. Amen. How long did it take you to get spiritual? Say amen. But I want to say this. There was a right value system put in your heart at that moment. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, began to convict you of sin and righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit made you aware of God's presence. You feared God for the first time. I'm not saying it was a radical change. It could have been a gradual change. But there was a change in value system. There was a change in attitude. Can somebody say amen? And folks, he said, I suffered all things. Here's the cost of devaluation. I suffered. I suffered. Now, folks, a lot of times when you see the word suffer in the Bible, you think about your aches and pains and cancer and all that kind of stuff, and that is suffering and the things that you bear. But most of the time when you see suffering in the New Testament, it's persecution. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. When he got saved, his pharisaical brothers did not like him anymore. Matter of fact, he was scourged and beat and bruised and naked and in peril and, and, uh, and hungry and thirsty uh, after he got saved, the Bible says. Matter of fact, he was stoned more times than Stephen who witnessed to him as he was being stoned than Stephen was. And he was scourged more times than our Lord. So it's not always hunky-dory and everything's going to be good and something good's going to happen to you today, Oral Roberts. Because I'm going to tell you something, it's something bad might happen to you today, but praise God, you'll never have a day where Jesus will leave you or forsake you and you've got His grace to bear it. Amen? And I want to say this, friend, the cost is sometimes you've got to pay the cost and your friends will not always like what the change is. Say amen. Matter of fact, they'll give you up. You won't have to give them up if you live for God. Amen? And you'll be a witness to them. You don't jump in a well to save somebody. You're different, say amen. And thank God for the difference, friend. I want to tell you the greatest difference is I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to be a son of a drunk, I'm the son of a king. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something, I'm joint heirs with Jesus. And so, folks, my evaluation of life is this. There's nothing in the world that compares to knowing Jesus Christ. I'm talking about eternal values this morning. I mean, what do you live for? Or excuse me, the question is, who do you live for? Once you get saved, you ought to live for the one that saves you, keeps you, and loves you. And if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have enough sense to get out of bed or enough health to do it. This morning I was feeling so good. Had my little cup of tea, oolong tea with two, two scoops of sugar, sitting in my study thanking God for this message I was about to preach because it's already preached to me. And I thought about a preacher that probably had to agonize to get out of bed this morning. Probably had to have his wife to help him out of bed. He probably had to read his scripture about five or six times privately this morning because the toxins from his 
uh, failing liver is affecting his brain. And I thought about what a great spirit this, this dear man of God has. And I thought to myself, praise God, he's got a new value system. He values serving God more than his own health, his own wealth. He has nothing. And I want to tell you something, friend, but he has everything. He has Jesus, and he has the ministry that God's called him to. And I began to pray for him and say, Dear God, help me not take for granted how good I feel at this moment compared to somebody else. And folks, my day's probably coming and so is yours, but I want to tell you something. God's blessed you. God's loved you. God saved you. And the Lord's coming after you, say amen. And that ought to bring a new value system to our heart. And we, if we have to suffer for Jesus Christ, we ought to do it gladly and bear, and, and, and bear our cross. That means identify with His shame and live for God willingly. And so I see the comparison of the devaluation in verse 8, all things, but it says, for Christ. For Christ. Who do you live for? You know, before you're saved, there's an unholy trinity in your life. Me, myself, and I. That's all you live for. Say amen. You know what's the truth? If it's in my schedule, I'll do it. If it's convenient, I'll do it. If it's 68 degrees, I'll come to Sunday school. If my heat's working in my car, I'll come to Sunday school. You ought to... Be like John Weston, ride a horse 250,000 miles across this country and be pried out of the saddle. I don't think I'd make it. <laughs> I don't like horses. But anyway, because one left me behind. No, he didn't leave me behind. He drug me across a pasture with my foot hung in the sideways saddle that I didn't put on right. I was a cowboy before I came north. But I want to tell you something, friend. Not a very good one. Eternal values. Eternal values. We need to suffer the loss of all things. That's the cost of But here's the character of his devaluation. Now this gets me, and it's a little blunt, but I'm going to say it anyway. He said, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. There's the comparison. There's the completeness, all things. But then he says the cost is that I'd suffer loss. He said, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count. It's a very good word. Evaluate. What's important to you? Penny for your thought. What's on your mind most of, most of the time? He says, and do count them, but here's the next word. Dung. That I may win Christ. Now Paul did not mince words. He just put it on the line. You know what he was saying? I'll tell you what he's saying. He said, I'm putting all those things that I lived for before I got saved in the category of manure. They stink. They're refuge. They're waste. That's quite a change, isn't it? And that's quite a rearrangement, isn't it? And he speaks of that truly tremendous change of value that should come to all of us who have been born again because the next verse he gets back to the main reason that he devalued this world that he didn't live for this world that he didn't let the world crank his tractor and, and, and motivate him and he didn't live for the stock market and he didn't live for the national championship 
And he didn't live for his team. And he didn't live for the fancy uh, promotion. He didn't live for his job. He didn't live for money. He didn't live for silver or gold. He didn't live for self-attainment or self-sufficiency. He lived for his Savior. And it's only our reasonable service that every person in this room, including this, this preacher, live for him willingly, totally, submissively, sold out to God and not to this world. Look at verse 9. And, he found, and, and be found in him. <laughs> Can't get away from it. To be found in him. See, when the devil looks at you, he sees the blood. When the devil looks at you, he sees Jesus. Hey, folks, when you get to the pearly gates, it's not going to be your good works and your Baptist affiliation that's going to get you through those gates. He, he's going to have to, God's going to have to see Him in you. The only passport to heaven is the blood. But the only passport is there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved to be found in Him. Listen to this now. Not having my own righteousness. That's why religion is so deadly. The self-righteous, self-attainment, work for your salvation and keep working for your salvation is deadly. Can somebody say amen? The other day I was riding down the road in Pappy's truck. We still call it Pappy's truck. And I have a bathtub in the back of it. I had a bathtub in the back of it, you know. Because I'm remodeling our bathroom and I've got this good deal of this bathtub. And so I had it in there. I was storing it in the sh- uh, trailer and Mark and Amy ruined that. They needed their 18 bags put in the trailer. So we unloaded it and I just said, oh, I'll put it in the back of Pappy's truck. And I was riding down the road and I just started laughing. I just started laughing about what people would think. But then I started laughing. You know, if I believed in baptism regeneration, this is how I'd go soul winning. <laughs> Hey, man, I just go door to door and say, hey, you want to get saved? Come on out to here in the driveway and I'll put you under. And you know, we laugh, but it's pitiful, amen, that anybody would believe you could add anything to salvation. But if I ever turn Church of Christ, I'm putting a bathtub in my back of my truck and I'm going down the road and we're going soul winning, amen. But baptism doesn't save you, it's amen. But I'll tell you what, if you're saved, you ought to want to be baptized because it's identity. It's confession and it's obedience. Well, I think the water might be a little cold. Well, praise God, suffer a little bit for Jesus. Amen. It won't be. Everything else in this church will be cold, but that water's a sauna. Amen. Because I don't want anybody backing out when they put their big toe in that water. Folks, listen. If I believed that Lord's Supper saved you, we'd have it every service. If I believed the bread turned into the body and the juice turned into the blood as the Catholic Church believes, I'd have it every service and I'd take it on the road with me. But works do not save you. Christ saves you. He paid it all. All to Him I owe. And He said this, which is through the faith of Christ. God gives you the faith to trust Him. And listen to this, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Folks, I got in by faith. And I'm not getting out by my unfaithfulness. The Lord knows how to keep me. And I rejoice that I'm saved. 
I just sometimes get down and out and depressed. Had a lot of mixed emotions this week about Amy leaving. But so proud of her and so excited that the grandchildren have this experience of being missionary children. And so I give them to the Lord. I was talking to Deborah about this right before the service. I give them to the Lord. It's just sometimes I want my way for a few minutes. I want one more day. And that's selfish, and I realize. And I apologize for my emotions Wednesday night. But I am a daddy. And I am a granddaddy. And as I said, grandparents don't have a lick of sense when it comes to their grandchildren. Amen? We just go overboard. But I want to tell you this. I'd rather send that, that precious family and my precious daughter over there to serve the Lord than anything I can mention. It's better than being sent off to prison. I have a preacher friend that his daughter's spending 21 years in prison. She's very sick and they, now, and it breaks my heart. It's better than to send them off to the world. They get rich and famous without God. Had a charter member call us yesterday and, and the, the parents of, the, of the, one of the charter members and said, his wife has left him, took the two children, and left him. Pray for my son. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his family? What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? And religion deceives people in saying you can be self-righteous enough to be saved. And you can keep on being righteous enough to stay saved. And folks, all that's false. Paul said, I count everything as refuge, as dung. I count it all loss. It's worthy to suffer for because Jesus saved me and it's all by His righteousness and it's all by faith. Folks, when you feel like it's just a little too much to give your children to the Lord. It's just a little too much to give your days to the Lord. It's just a little too much to be faithful three services a week. It's just a little too much to tithe. Why don't you go back to the foot of Calvary and look up at those, uh, those, those nail-pierced hands and that brow that's crowned with thorns and not just look at the physical, but look at the spiritual and realize He took your hell for you. He sure is worth anything that we give up for Him. But I found out lately, as I get older and older, anything I gave up for the Lord, whatever He replaces it with is far better. To live as Christ that dies again. It's far better place in heaven, but praise God, it's far better to live for God. And then I want to give you the values. Tonight I'll go to the pursuits. But I want to give you the values. Look at verse 9. Excuse me, uh, verse 9, it says, in this whole verse, salvation. Folks, what we ought to value is our salvation. You know what we ought to do? Why don't I get over it? Amen? We, we, ought to, we ought to value it as a great gift. Don't you love to get a great gift? How many of you husbands got a great gift in your wife? Raise your hand real quick and keep it up. If not, you're in trouble. Okay, good. Amen. It's a great gift. And if you, hey, listen, how would you like to live by yourself? How would you like to endure your own cooking? It'd be rough, wouldn't it? I, I blew up a boiled egg the other morning. <laughs> Nobody can run an egg. Boy, I can. 
I can blow it slap to the roof. Amen. Nobody can run instant grits. I can. But I want to tell you something, friend. The gift of salvation supersedes anything you've got on this earth. You're saved. Has it dawned on you lately? You're going to heaven. Amen. And you're not going to just go to heaven. You're going to live with Jesus forever. And the devil can't take it away from you. That ought to be valued. Your salvation should be valuable. Because he took your place at Calvary and became sin for you who knew no sin. That you might be made the righteousness of Christ in him. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. Number two, I see in verse 10, you ought to value schooling. Now, when I was in school, I didn't value it too much. I did graduate from college. Y'all might not believe that, but I did. It wasn't summa cum laude, it was summa cum lately, but I, I made it. And I went there for a soccer scholarship, but I'm going to tell you something. I found out after I got my body broken half and couldn't walk for 11 months, I realized I better get an education while I'm here in this college. Amen. And so I did. But I want to tell you something, friend. The, the, to know Christ is far better. Look at verse 10. That I may know Him. Knows an intimate word. Abraham knew Sarah. It's an intimate word. And folks, I want to tell you something. You ought to value this. Knowing God through His Word, through His Spirit. You ought, to, you ought to value going to Sunday school. It's not just school. It's Bible school. It's schooling you to see Jesus. It's helping you be more like Him. You ought to value preaching. We try to make a a priority around here, preaching. We don't sing for 50 minutes and preach 10. We don't preach little sermonettes to Christianettes that belong in a bassinet. We preach because the Word of God schools you to know God. It motivates you. It convicts you. It helps you see yourself in God's eyes and there's confession and conviction and there's repentance and we become more like Christ than when we walked in here. But some people just have a flippant attitude about it. And I'm trying to get used to it after 44 years of preaching, but I can't get used to it. There's some people more enthusiastic about sitting up on bleachers in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with a wind chill factor of 10 degrees than being in the house of God. That bugs me. Because I want to tell you something, none of those jaybirds died for you down on that field. And none of them will. And if you'll pay him $100,000, he'll coach 10 years. Oh, no, excuse me, $100 million, John Gruden. Ain't no coach worth that, nowhere, no time. Amen. But everybody wants to pay to win, no matter what it costs. He's going to bring, he's going to be the promised Messiah of our team. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to show as much enthusiasm about Christ as we do the Georgia Bulldogs. We ought to have more enthusiasm for Christ than we do our favorite sports team, say amen. We ought to wear Whitfield Baptist gladly, praise God, but we ought to wear Christ in our life. We ought to thank God that we can go to school this morning and learn more about Christ and know Him. So folks, there ought to be a value of salvation. 
There ought to be a value of knowing God. And then look at this verse. Oh, this, this thrills my soul. I'm just preaching now. It says, the power of His resurrection. I want to tell you what you ought to value. You ought to value the power of God in your life. I want to tell you something. Don't you ever say you can't serve God. You can't overcome sin. Say you won't. Because you have a power inside of you that gives you victory. If you yield to Him, Christ answers the doors. Brother Randy preached Wednesday night. Great message. If you're yielded to the Spirit of God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth you. But the Bible says in John 15, without Him, you can do absolutely nothing. So stop trying to reform yourself, prisoners. Reformation is not the answer for those jaybirds up there in prison, Brother Larry. You know that. You're not a deacon, ex-rat hole gang leader because of your reformation of 11 months in jail. No, you met the Savior. <laughs> you got saved. You got a new heart. You got a new value system. You got a new righteousness. It's all by faith. And folks, when he got out, it took some discipline, but praise God, he wouldn't even go around people with drugs. He wouldn't hold hands with them anymore. He wouldn't fellowship with them anymore. But I want to tell you something, a whole lot of them's come to him saying, what has changed your life? And he says, I'll tell you, who changed my life? Christ. Folks, there's power, 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 wonder-working power in you, the hope of glory. You ought to value that. You ought to value that you don't have to go down to the gutter this week and live like some gutter rat. You don't have to live like some dog. You don't have to live like some just normal human being that's going to do what the flesh says do and let it rule. I mean, it's amazing how low people can go. It's amazing how sin can wreck a person's life and ruin a person's life. It's amazing what sin's doing to families. I mean, parents abusing children. That ought not be. Daddies abusing little girls. That ought not be. But folks, listen, we got deliverance. And folks, it's not that we're holier than thou. We just have the holy thou spirit in our lives and we can say no to sin because we said yes to the Lord. Drawn out of God, He'll draw out of you. You ought to value that. You do not have to succumb to the devil's attack this week. You're victorious. Amen? There ought to be a, a value system that changes your life. There ought to be a, a value of not only salvation and the schooling about the Lord, getting to know Him, and strength, but there ought to be value in suffering. It says, and the fellowship of His suffering." Fellowship of his suffering. Paul was beat, shipwrecked, naked, destitute. They even had the cares of the church upon him when they wouldn't live what they said they were going to live in Corinth. And he said, you know something? I value the opportunity to get back up for God. To keep on going for God. 
I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. How many too warm in here say amen? I'm glad. We ain't turning it down. We've got some people who never come back as a result of next week. Last week, I'm, I hope they do come back. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Real quick. I want you to look at these great verses. They're so encouraging. It says, but I say, he which soweth sparingly, no, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's 9, that's good too, amen. It's not where I'm going. Listen to this. It says in verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 4, 8, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Listen now. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. What a privilege. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, and we also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that, which, listen to this now, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus shall present us, present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. He says it's worth being knocked down for his glory. Look at verse 16. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, getting beat to a pulp, stoned, shipwrecked, naked, destitute, and own people forsaken, he says, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's the will of God. Now listen to this. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, here's the value system. I want you to see this now. Please don't, please don't get bored with the word. It says, when we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal! They're vanishing away. They won't count for anything. After you're dead, they're going to say, what carpet salesman? But if you live for God, they're going to say, what a Christian. Listen to this. Which things are temporal. But listen to this. But the things which are not seen are, what's the next word? Eternal. He had eternal values. And so when he got knocked down, he wasn't knocked out. When he was perplexed, he was not forsaken. When he went through suffering, he counted it as a valuable privilege for Christ. So we ought to value salvation, we ought to value schooling about Christ. We ought to value the strength of Christ. We ought to value the sufferings of Christ. But I want to show you one other thing in verse 10. Back to Philippians 3 verse 10. Don't you love to study phrase by phrase? It says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering and be made conformable unto His death. I'll tell you one last thing that you ought to, that you ought to value. Submissiveness to Christ. Submissiveness to Christ. Conformable unto His death. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's a great privilege for you to pick up His cross, deny yourself, and follow Him. 
The Bible says it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me, I had to read that this week, is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I want to close with this. Your value system, one of the things that ought to be valuable to you is your usability for God. And there is no way God can use flesh and pride and vainglory. What He uses is submission. Die to self. How in the world would He say you ought to love me more than your father or your mother? Because, folks, he was saying your love ought to look like hate. He said in, in Luke, he says, you ought to hate your father and mother. I bet that really got their attention. But folks, we ought to love our father and mother. We ought to take care of them. We ought to honor them. We should never forsake them. But, folks, I want to tell you something. Our love for God should be far more precious than our love even for our parents or for our children. One time, Faye Hall come down this Oh, Jeremy's uh, aunt, our, our grand, I don't know, some, some hall. Anyway, and, uh, and Robert and Faye came here when we first started, and she came down the aisle, and she wept, and she got up and told the whole church, she said, I had to give my children to God. They were more important than God. What a confession. But I just want to say this, friend. You need to have a value check, and I need a value check. Because some of the things that upset me shouldn't upset me. And some of the things that make me laugh shouldn't be funny. And folks, most of all, what I ought to cherish is that God has given me a life to live for His glory. It all started, Brother Randy, that, that March 15th, Brother Darrell, your birthday, when He come and to that fifth row back at middle of almost East Lake Golf Course at Wesley Hills Baptist Church. And he grabbed my soul and I came to the altar and I got saved. And then my daddy's 63 years of age, an alcoholic. He got saved while I was preaching. Have I ever told you about that? And I ought to count precious me getting saved, amen. And I ought to get count it precious that Praise God, I can know God while I'm saved. And I can live for God in His strength. And praise God, I can even suffer for Christ and not be the most popular person in the, in the, in the jam-packed running a thousand church in Dalton. That I can just submit my life to God. And say, God, you've got me. Lock, stock, and barrel. And friend, I want to tell you something. We will win Christ. What's that mean, preacher? That means you'll win His approval. And the applause of heaven will be more important than the applause of this earth. You'll please Him who saved you. You'll please Him who sustained you. And I'm looking at some of you. You'll please Him that saved your marriage.
and saved your children from shipwreck and destruction. And you'll please Him who's coming again. I'll preach on that tonight. And you'll give account. And let me just put it this way, and I'll close. It's, it's 10 after 12, just in case y'all don't have a clock. One day, one day, you're either going to stand in the ashes with nothing to offer Christ, because all the things of the world you live for. Or you're going to have precious crowns that you'll cast at His feet because you honored Him with what God gave you. Life. You had a new want to. You really wanted to be here. You really wasn't upset when I preached past 12. You really wasn't. And you really want to come back tonight to hear the rest of this chapter. Shake your little heads, yes, amen. You really want to come back. I don't care if the Patriots are playing or the raccoons are playing. You're going, you, you're going to be here because you want to get schooled. You want to grow. And then Monday when you go to work, you're not going to just be bowing down to Shaw or just Mohawk. Or to whoever you work for, Disney World or Walmart, whoever. But you're going to be bowing to his feet before you go to work and saying, God, I'm yours. Would you lead me to some lost soul? <laughs> Would you let me be an encouragement with that old backslider that hates his preacher and talks about him all day Monday? Can I just go in rejoicing? Can I go in praising God? When I get caught in a land of traffic, I won't lose my salvation. Hallelujah. And you just rejoice in the Lord always because you're saved, you're sanctified, you're thrill-filled, and you're satisfied with God and all that He's done in your life. Let's pray. Father, use this message. God, there's some things we need to devalue right now. We need to put them on the bottom shelf. I do. They're too important to me. I know they are. I'm sorry I confess them as a sin of idolatry. And God, there's some things we need to value. I'll never forget the day that you saved my unworthy soul to let me half years old. Son of a drunk, had nothing to offer you, but you had everything to offer me. I'll never forget that day that I knelt at that altar at 18 years of age and gave my life to full-time ministry. Gave up the business world. Gave up my degree. Gave up the little things that you'd give me. God, to go in the ministry. Lord, I'll never forget the days that you, that you broke my heart. And God, I thank you that me and Connie didn't quit when her best friend was murdered. When my preacher turned out to be a fake. God, thank you for giving us grace to go on. Start this church. God, thank you for the day that we submitted our lives to you. Gave our children to the mission field, to the ministry, to whatever you'd have them do. Lord, it's been wonderful. And I hope it's not just past tense. I pray this year, oh, I pray this year we'd count it as a great privilege to live in 2018 for your glory. 